Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. I am your host, Scott Cantrell, joined by a colleague of mine who I'm really excited to have a conversation with today, Joseph Skursky. Uh, Joseph is the managing partner for with Market Leader Solutions. He works with companies around their organizational development, helping them helping their leadership become more effective. Uh, he serves as an executive coach and is a best-selling author. Super excited to have you on, Joseph. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for inviting me, Scott. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we've got a lot to uh, cover. There's a yeah. lot of different things that we can dive into because of the nature of the work that you do. So let's go ahead and dive in. Tell everybody a little bit about your background, um, kind of how you got to where you are today and have developed uh, market leader solutions. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll get into um, how I got to where I am today, probably in our, in our last uh, part of the, the episode. Fair enough. But Good. But um, so my background, well, so I grew up on a farm, right? Uh, this is actually one of those significant life lessons. In Pittsburgh, okay. Uh, where you start taking responsibility really, really early, right? Um, Christmas Day, you know, everybody, every other kid is, you know, waking up going, oh, I want to get to the presidents. Oh, no, you got to go feed the horses first, right? That's that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Uh, you start taking responsibility early. But you know, I'll tell you another thing that um, really struck me as I, was, as I was thinking about this interview is that since my, my teens, uh, I've been studying people, just figuring out, you know, what makes them tick? Why do they do this versus that? Hmm. Um, you know, and it, it was kind of interesting. I was talking with a client of mine the other day. And um, so last week, actually last Thursday was uh, our, our 32nd uh, wedding anniversary. Right? Oh, pretty congratulations. Cool. That's great. Thank yeah. you. I blame her. I wouldn't have <laughs> stuck with me for that long, but that's, that's another story. But the funny thing is um, when, when we met, uh, there was just, you know, such instant chemistry and that was really, really cool. Uh, and uh, we actually married within a year of of meeting for the first time. I think three weeks shy. Uh, but the, the funny thing is, um, we were about nine months into it and had never had a fight. And I'm going, holy smokes, I'm uncomfortable right now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because a previous girlfriend, she fought like woo, right? So I actually yeah. picked the fight uh, with with my fiance to find out how she fights. Does she make it personal? Oh, interesting. Absolutes, right? Yeah. Because either one of those are, are deadly. Yeah. Right? You make it personal, not about the subject matter itself, what's the situation. And if you're using absolutes, you always, you never, whatever. Right. That's bad. That's a bad call. So um, <laughs> I actually picked the fight. So anyway, um, so how did that, how did that uh, translate into, uh, you know, the, the, the development of my career? Uh, so one of my first, uh, uh, big jobs was actually with Siemens Medical Systems, and um, I was for it was a, a 24/7, 365 customer service center, mm-hmm. um, and I was responsible for all the after hours, so second, third, and weekend shifts. Right. The interesting thing is that uh, in the same time frame that um, the the other guys, uh, there were three other supervisors on first shift, right? And they had obviously you know visibility to the entire. Uh, you know, upper management. Uh, I had five people promoted in the same time frame that they had two. Wow, something's different about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm understanding people, and I'm starting to realize, to recognize that I'm understanding people better than some others do. Right. So um, from there, I, I went on to uh, uh, get into sales, uh, sales leadership uh, specifically, uh, where you know, with one group, I, I doubled sales, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then later, uh, left that company, went to another and uh, tripled sales. Right. Wow. So we were getting, we were getting some pretty phenomenal results. I had some pretty fantastic people that I was working with. 
Um, so eventually that led me into, and I'll tell you this, the full story later, but um, that led me into uh, management consulting. Uh, and I use a, a particular brand of assessment now, right? So that I can actually get really, really deep into, you know, who is this person that I'm dealing with? Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm grateful uh, that so far uh, I've seen more than 10,000 uh, of this particular assessment. Um, which I, I, I'm told makes me an expert. Um, yeah, I would think so. Yes, I think. Um, but uh, wow, some of the the engagements that we've had as a result are just fantastic stories. Um, you know, I, I was asked a little while ago, actually from somebody that you know, I think, uh, if if I've ever uh, made a hiring mistake, and I've not uh, in over 15 years, I just haven't. Uh, now, has everybody worked out? No, uh, but that's actually their boss's fault. Gotcha. I can't, I can't control the boss. Yeah. You know? Right. There's external factors around, right. It's not, it's not just a one variable equation, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, current endeavors, I know you asked about that, my version, uh, currently. So this is interesting. Um, within the past five months, uh, a couple of our clients have uh, realized that not only can we advise about who to hire, but that whenever we start doing recruiting, that, uh, we do it like they've never seen. They've never experienced, right? And I'll say it to this to this extent: uh, by the end of of April here, uh, we will have billed as much as what we did in 2021 combined. Wow! Right? Wow! I mean, once once they bit, <laughs> they bit hard. Right? Yeah. They're like, hey, help us with this, 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 this. Right? That's cool. So actually, what we're in the process of doing right now uh, is we're we're splitting out market leader solutions and market leader recruiting. Okay, uh, and my my wife is going to be taking over uh, market leader recruiting. Obviously, I'm going to be, you know, helping her with that until you know she's got the the full show uh, underway. That's great. So, my personal vision, uh, I'm I'm working with another company that you're familiar with, uh, Journey, uh, yeah. and I'm also t- taking a look at a, a third one uh, called uh, Value Builder, uh, where I'm looking to get into um, uh, equity plays uh, to help clients actually you know multiply their their sales value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that whenever they're, they're finally ready to, to sell their business, they can get you know multiples of what they are right now because there's generally a lot of things that they're not quite doing right, um, and a lot of that actually has to, has to do with the the owner, right? Uh, there's there's too much uh, emphasis on that owner in order for the business to stay correct, you know, survivable, right? Um, so hopefully, you know, I can help those folks, and and uh, you know, I'm maybe looking to acquire a couple of couple of companies along the way as well. That's great, man. I love it. I love it. And so um, let's talk about market leader solutions and maybe uh, market leader recruiting as well. Uh, Because I think uh, obviously one spun off from the other. Uh, Give us in in a in a quick kind of overview sense. Tell us a little bit about the nature. I think people have got an idea now, but tell us a little about the nature of the work that you're doing through market leader solutions um, and the type is also the types of companies that are sort of in your in your primary domain, the ones you're primarily targeting, uh, and then the nature of the engagement, the work that you do for them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a really um, wow. That's a that's a very broad question. I'll it tell is. you why. <laughs> for so we've been in business uh, fifteen and a half years. Uh, in that time, one hundred percent of our clients have come by referral. Wow. One hundred percent. Now it's awesome, right? Except it's not. It's not scalable. <laughs> That's right. It's hard. It's difficult to predict sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, again, you know, I'm very grateful for it. Um, so <laughs> that means that a lot of 
a lot of my my clients, I mean, they can be, you know, in so many different industries. Yeah. My goodness gracious. I have um, a semi-custom home builder. Uh, the owner of that company happens to own another, it's what it's what you would call like a, a prefabricated, uh, you know, um, like a stick built except inside of a factory. So they take it out kind of like modular. Uh, okay. So they take mm-hmm. it out and put it on site. Um, so that's actually how that relationship exists. Um, let's see. <laughs> Uh, I've got uh, two different coatings manufacturers, paint manufacturers. Uh, I have a credit union. I have uh, a nonprofit. I have a chiropractor. Right. So I mean, they're, really they're like, run the gamut. That's right. Yeah, they're all. Uh, and you know, some of the questions that, that I got asked, and you know, even like the the, the lead off, um, <laughs> the lead off recruiting gig for this year was. Um, uh, our, our, our pro that, that semi custom home builder I was talking about, uh, the other side of their company actually runs, uh, property management. Okay. Right? So, so commercial properties, that kind of thing, okay. apartment buildings. Um, and so they, they came to us at the end of December and they're like, this management company that we've been working with has been unable to find a, a good property manager for us. They've been trying for like two months. Can you help? <laughs> cool. I've never hired a property manager. I don't know that space, but sure. We'll try. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting thing. So, uh, typically, uh, I, I kind of I kind of follow uh, an executive search type model in terms of how we get paid. Get a third of the payment up front, a third in thirty days, and a third whenever the person actually okay. Starts. Right. Yep. This is the first time, Scott. This is kind of crazy um, that I actually had to bill the start date before the thirty day date. Wow, right? that's crazy. I know, right? Um, I mean, we must have. Oh my goodness, we must have. We must have assessed probably eighty. Uh, different candidates, um, and I was I was kind of shocked at what the, that playing field looks like. But uh, the funny thing is that um, the person that they hired, they were doing cartwheels over. Um, she started three weeks from the day that we actually got started in earnest, right? Wow. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I remember the day uh, that uh, she interviewed, right? And we got the the email saying, you know, we love, right, in all caps, uh, Cassandra. I'm like, well, hey, that's fantastic. Um, and that was really cool. Um, obviously, I mean, you love to, to hear stories like that, but sure. something even cooler happened. Uh, and that is whenever Cassandra, uh, as the candidate, started bragging about her experience with us. Right. That's that doesn't often happen in this world. Right. To my understanding. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of people aren't you know real keen on, on recruiters. Right. And I understand why. You know, but we we treat people. Oh, my goodness. Um, especially that, right, my wife. I'll blame her again. <laughs> um, uh, we just, we treat people like human beings, like, you know, with the respect that they, that they deserve. Right. It's not, it's not about, it's not just about a job. It's not just about filling, trying to check a box, right. Um, right. for the purpose of an employer, or even for the purpose of someone who's looking to get hired, it, you're trying to truly create, um, a meaningful, productive, profitable match, uh, exactly. for the two. And if you do that, then everybody's going to brag. Um, yep. And you're going to be busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so. So one of the things that, um, and I don't know, are you familiar with Sandler Sales? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think we talked about that one time before, mm-hmm. but um, in any event, uh, so one of the things I think I recall from this, it might be exclusive to I'm not sure, but uh, where they talked about uh, qualify hard, close easy. You ever yeah, heard that right, term? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So um, we used uh, the term, and, and I've used this since we uh, started Marketer Solutions, uh, hire hard, manage easy. Yeah. Right. And it's not that the, that the hiring or the recruiting process is like a, a stringent. That's not the point. Uh, it's that the standard is high and, and I never wave off of it. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Um, I've, I've heard, and, you know, we've had this conversation that, uh, you know, most recruiters, I don't like most recruiters and most recruiters don't like me. And the reason is because I keep them honest, right? Um, I, I don't, I know that especially, you know, whenever you're talking about a contingency type of recruiting uh, game, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's basically a foot race to put a warm butt in a seat, right? Right, I, right. It can be, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely will not do that, right? Yeah. That's a full, that's a fool's errand in my, in my opinion, right? Um, so, uh, you know, and what ends up happening is, you know, they, they start getting desperate, they start running out of candidates, you know, and so they start trying to squeeze somebody in where yeah. they really shouldn't, you know. So um, my my way is just, you know, there there is an extremely high standard, and I just I, I won't budge, you know. If in fact, I'll tell you this, and I've I've got one of one of the the recommendations that I have on on uh, LinkedIn uh, was a guy that uh, he he moved on from that position, but uh, he said, you know, one of the things I appreciate. Uh, is that he, he not only tells me what he likes about the candidate, but some of the, some of the things that he doesn't like anything that he's suspicious of, he'll tell me. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I think that there's, there's a great value in that, that level of candor Absolutely. Right, coming from, from somebody in, in this type of role. No, no question. It, it ultimately comes down to two things. It comes down to intention, right? What is the, from a, re, from a recruitment standpoint, right? Um, it, you know, uh, what is the, what is the intention of that, of whoever's playing that recruiting role, that talent finder role, right. That executive search role. And, and, um, if I get it from being a business owner, right. If you're a recruiter and you're trying to make payroll or you need the next, you know, you need the next, uh, cash infusion or whatever, the, the incentive in the, the type of model you described is to, Let's let's get a check mark in that box. Let's get someone in that role so that you know we can get paid. And I and I get that. But the problem with that is, right? It's a short term, you know, inferior solution, uh-huh. um, and you're not you're not <laughs> you're not doing anybody any favors um, for any meaningful in any meaningful way or any length of time. What you're describing is the nature of your intention is about finding the best solution for the client period and sure the client's going to pay for that but as they should and the second part of this is incentive and so on that contingency model a lot of times from what i understand i'm not in that space but the incentives can be misaligned between what the employer wants and what the recruiter wants and and needs on both sides what you've described in terms of your model is an alignment of incentive so that it is in everyone's best interest for you to do your best work to find the best candidate mm-hmm. for the employer. And so yep. that intention and incentive piece, I think, is a, is a huge thing. And, of course, you're in the talent, the talent world, right, the talent acquisition mm-hmm. world. But that idea of intent and incentive applies in any of the world of consulting that we're in, right? It doesn't matter whether you're a business development guy like me or talent or ops or anything, right? You can always say, oh, I can do that. And you can do a, a Band-Aid on, on a problem that may not really serve the problem, cash yep. the check and move on. Uh, but again, what was the incentive and what's the intent behind it? So yep. uh, I agree created in, in this executive search world makes makes a whole lot of sense. And there's, yeah. you know, it's not surprising to me that you're having the success that you're having. That's a great perspective. Um, you know, the other thing that we do, and I just, you know, I, I it's kind of interesting where from I'm speaking with the clients because uh, I say, hey, listen, you know, whatever makes sense, that's what we're going to do. That's the prevailing principle here, right? So um, one of the things that, that we do as well uh, is uh, I do a flat rate 
um, so that I don't have a dog in the fight should we come down to a, a salary negotiation. Uh, yeah. My preference is, you know, if I'm bringing an, an A talent, uh, A caliber talent person to the table, uh, pay them the extra. Mm. Give it to them, not me. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You're gonna <laughs> uh, win. You're gonna win a lot more candidates that way too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's great. Um, you know, I just yeah. I want to be fair to fair to everybody. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just it's just about perspectives that how you approach how you approach the work that you're doing, right? Is it about who is it about? Uh, and clearly with the practice that you have, it's about it's about the employer and it's about the candidate. Uh, and yep. your job is to simply put them together in the most productive way. So the, 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 fun, the funny thing is now, um, and my, my wife digs on me about this all the time, uh, that in each in each of these cases, uh, we've done it, Scott, without a contract. Ah, it's wild. Wow. It's a gentleman's agreement because here's, here's my perspective on that. Uh, if it's not working for one of us, it's not working for both of us. Oh yeah. Right. Right. So one of the things that I've done for, for a lot of years uh, with market leader solutions is uh, people come in, they want to use my assessments. Right. And typically, you know, I'll, I'll charge them, you know, up front if they just do a, want to do a one-off type thing, I'll charge them like 400 bucks, but I've got a client um, that uh, I, I actually started to transition uh, to unlimited assessments uh, for a flat rate monthly, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll explain why here in a second. Um, I've got a client, Scott, that has been paying me, and I won't say the amount, uh, for nine years, every month, without a contract. Wow. I think they're committed. Yeah, definitely <laughs> committed. Um, a bunch of years ago, so, uh, you know, I said that, you know, how much the price is uh, if I do a one-off, but uh, so I had a client <clears throat> who uh, was, was acting uh, penny wise and pound foolish mm-hmm. uh, president of the company about a 200 employee size company, not huge, but big enough right, right. that his time has to be worth something. Um, doggone if he didn't interview like 20 candidates to bring, I think it was either two or three to me. Right. And say, Hey, Joseph, I want to pay you for these three. Tell me, you know, tell me who I should hire. Right. So I evaluate them over the weekend. I come back and I'm like, I got to tell you, brother, um, you know, all your babies are ugly. Yeah, I wouldn't hire any one of them. So let's not do this again, right? So you know, instead, you know, and even when you know we've had just you know they're they're looking to hire one for one role, I'll say, all right, here's a flat rate. Go crazy with with the assessments, and I'll tell you who who to select, right? So it actually like puts their you know to your point puts uh, you know our our mutual goals in alignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Let me ask this question, just from a from a uh-huh. uh, advisory process that you have, yes. um, uh-huh. when when you get a referral, right? That's, that's how it's going to come. So when you get a new opportunity and that that decision maker is kind of just walk us through, not not in the nitty gritty detail, but in general terms, what's sort of your step by step process from this from the initial assuming it's a conversation, initial conversation to the point where you've got that handshake and that gentleman's agreement and they're moving forward from an advisory standpoint, what's sort of the one, two, three of that for you? Sure. So the, the typical engagement starts with, um, you know, they've been having trouble, you know, hiring for a particular role. Typically that's, that's what I, I refer to as a, a high reward, high risk. So sales management and leadership, right. Um, and so they're going, Oh my goodness, you know, we can't, can't find somebody here. Can you help us? Okay, fine. So the first thing I do is have a conversation with the decision maker, right? And, you know, sometimes I find some skepticism uh, about uh, our assessment, right? Which happens, sure. um, you know, and so I say, well, take the assessment for yourself and, uh, you know, no charge for that. I'll do a comp, you know, comp assessment and debrief with you. 
Uh, and then you figure out, you know yourself from the inside out. And if I'm saying anything that's out of turn, you'll know it, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I'm just playing, you know, playing games on you or whatever, uh, typically that that results in a, a great. pretty pretty quick, yeah, let's get going. Uh, so what I do then is I assess the, the team that they're going to be uh, most working with, uh, that the candidate would be, um, so that I know what, because, okay, you and I both know uh, people leave bosses uh, more than what they leave jobs. Right. Uh, That's right. Exactly. And, and I would say even teams more than jobs. Yeah. Right. Right. So you got to make sure that, that somebody's got to fit in the culture. Now. So that's one of the things that I can assess for. Um, so, you know, that that leads to, all right, now, you know, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just have, you know, unlimited access to my assessments so that you find the right person? Uh, we can make that happen. Right. That's that's generally a pretty reasonable uh, fee, you know. And then, you know, of course, I advise them whenever they start having their candidates come through. Um, which I'll tell you an interesting story here at the end. So uh, typically, um, they you know they're either doing that or they're saying, you know, hey, um, uh, you know, we want you to do the full blown recruiting. Uh, a lot of times, you know, after they they get the initial taste of what the the thing feels like, uh, then they'll actually get on on the monthly program and say, hey, you know, we'd like to have the access to this all the time because we're hiring in other roles right now. Too. Right, right, right. You know, or we need to to you know do some some um, development, you know, of, of our, our internal people right now in the organization. And we'd just like to, you know, not have to pay, you know, per each. Sure. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I love, I love how you're addressing the primary objection, which in your case sounds like it's just often a level of skepticism, which is understandable from the decision maker standpoint, because presumably if they could find the right person easily and they thought it was, it was doable, they wouldn't be talking to you because they would have already done it. And yep. so it, it makes perfect sense that the decision maker is going to have some level of hopefully not cynicism, but it makes sense that they might have some level of skepticism. And the way you're getting okay. around that is, well, let's let's just do it. And then if you're yep. still if you still think it's not a good fit, then fine. We part as professional, hopefully colleagues mm-hmm. and we help each other in the future if we can. But you're you're going ahead and engaging them in some kind of value driven way initially, in your case, for no fee or you're waiving your fee. Um, for that so that they can have that experience to give them that confidence. So just to, you know, I'm, I'm making a mental note for myself on that. I try to do that with most of my client engagements, especially if there's any kind of um, skepticism or hesitation or resistance to something. Well, let's, let's do this one thing where there's no, no meaningful commitment or no commitment at all, no Mm -hmm. meaningful risk or no risk at all. Let's do that. You get the experience. If at that point it'll be clear whether you move forward or not, and I think that's a great lesson for any advisor or consultant, regardless of their area of expertise. They can find uh-huh. a way to to number one demonstrate their knowledge, skill, and authority by doing that activity for the client first in a way that doesn't require a ton of effort from them or any money or much money from the client, um, uh-huh. and at the same time gives that client that that confidence that okay. Yep someone we can we can trust to do this work. So that's huge. And the, so that overcomes that primary obstacle. And then the second piece is you're looking at the the future candidate, where are they going to be? What's the environment going to be like that they're in? And let's do an assessment of the people that are either going to be managing or supervising them and the team that's going to be surrounding them. Because I would assume, I mean, just to kind of echo what you already said, that is a a critical variable in terms of finding the right person. Because if you have, what, what do you do when you're assessing the team or you're looking at that and based on the work that you're doing, you realize it doesn't matter what kind of competent 
worthwhile candidate we put in this place, they're not going to thrive because there's problems. There, there are um, systematic types of problems or chronic problems within the team itself. There's just a, a toxic to- toxicity there. Has that happened? And how do you how do you address that? Because that that's become that can become a, a probably a, a sensitive type of issue. It is a sensitive uh, issue. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very um, sensitively, believe it or not, uh, forthright about that. Okay. Saying, hey, listen, you know, here's the problem that you've got, right? And uh, you know, I've even told some some hiring managers, listen, I cannot bring you an A player because an A player would just you know leave you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can hire you can hire B players, and I hate to say that. My goodness. I mean, that hurts my head, Scott. No, I understand. Right. Because that's not what you're trying to achieve for them. Right. Exactly. That, that's not hire hard, manage easy. Right? It's okay. like hire, <laughs> hire weak and whatever. Manage hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't I, I recall only one time that I've actually taken on an assignment like that. And I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. No, I, again, I think this comes back to it comes back to your intent and your authenticity in, in serving in the role that you're in. It comes back to your values and so forth. And I think the key thing is not being afraid, you know, it's a cliche perhaps, but not being afraid to speak truth to power in terms of your client. The the client is hiring you for the purpose of fixing this problem. The problem Uh that they perceive is that they have a talent gap here and they need an A player in that role. Uh The real problem you may uncover to be, it doesn't matter what kind of A player you have in that role. They ain't going to hang out. Either they're, either they're going to not be an A player very long. They're not going to be allowed to be an A player or they're going to bail. Right. Yep. And Most so, likely they'll bail. yeah, likely they'll bail because if they're an A player, they can go wherever they want. Um, yeah. And so that point, you're you're speaking truth to power in the sense of uncovering an issue that leadership either ignored or didn't maybe have a, a clear view about in the first place and say, your problem is not missing the A player or your priority problem is not missing the A player. Your priority problem is in the existing team. So uh-huh. being willing to do that when, when you identify that, I assume are there are within the nature of the work that you do, are there ways that you can go about helping them fix that problem, transition that team in some way? Sometimes. Yeah. If, if they're willing, right now, of I'll, course. I'll yeah. You, yeah. I'll, I'll give an example. Um, a bunch of years ago, we were helping a company on the East, uh, the East coast of North Carolina. Uh, hire a sales manager, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is like a, a medical, sort of like a Doctors Without Borders type operation, right? Really, really cool operation. But so I'm, you know, I'm dealing with the president. Uh, she had uh, her husband was in the Navy. She just happened to read an article that I that I wrote about uh, uh, hiring like the, the Navy SEALs train, uh, and and found that fascinating. So mm-hmm. uh, she asked me to help. So you know, we go in, I assess everybody on the sales team, and I come back, and this is, this is actually an interesting conclusion. So I come back because they had, I think, five salespeople, maybe six. Um, and the one, I'm, I'm looking at this going, this doesn't look like a good salesperson to me, right? So I have, I have, you know, a conversation with the, the president. Uh, and I said, um, so how long has this person um, been on the job? She said, two years. Okay. How's she doing? Um, well, she just made a really great sale last month. She related to anybody who owns the company. Oh, yeah, that's my sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think maybe you know that the, the gray hairs kind of paid off there to ask that last question. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. That definitely <laughs> comes from experience. Yeah. Instead of saying, you know, why the black is this person in place? Um, but uh, yeah, that. So I mean, to to understand what the the real problem was, the real problem was that there's nepotism. Yeah. Yeah. Going on. 
right? Uh, we did hire somebody. He's fantastic. He worked out, but you know, I, I, I did let him know walking into this what he was going to be walking into as well. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. you're going to you're going to be caught somewhere between the president and her sister. Yeah, just be aware of what yeah. you're stepping into. Yeah, yeah. and and they can, maybe it can be managed, but just eyes wide open. Yeah, exactly. No, it makes perfect it's, sense. It's funny. I had one of those situations actually in my uh, my last uh, corporate uh, sales uh, leadership gig, where um, I reported to the founder, and I had one of the founders reporting to me. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. Anything um, they put him into, he would just he would just wreck it. So they they you know made me in charge of him. Thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, there are. There's there's the ownership function and title, and then there's yep. the operational function and title, right? Uh-huh. And those two things are should not always be the same. Nope. Um, so it's a good it's a good point around business maturity. Um, yep. As a business grows or or becomes more experienced, you realize this person has tremendous skill and talent here, and they need to stay within that within that set of parameters, and you know delegate, outsource everything else. Um, no, could, could I just interject one other sure. thing? Um, I've I've had this happen four times. There, there's a particular measurement inside my assessment. I'm not going to say what it is. Okay. But um, when it happens uh, in in over ten thousand assessments, I have never once uh, made a positive recommendation to hire that kind of person. Not because they're a bad person. It's just there's just a standard that one metric. Yeah. That I, that, I, that I can't violate. Gotcha. Um, and well, that it's basically because I I can't facilitate a train wreck, and I know that if yeah. they got hired, there's going to be a train wreck. So here's here's what happened four times, Scott. Okay. Um, I said, please don't hire this person. You don't want that, right? And in each of the four times, four different clients have come back saying, oh, I know this person or it's going to be all right. Uh, And within, it had been about nine months, but this last one was about 12. Uh, They come back apologizing to me, which is an awkward awkward conversation for me, all right? I hate that conversation. Uh, But they're like, Joseph, you're right. Uh, and, And we had to terminate the person. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. And I hate that for my yeah. client. I mean, th- I guess if there's any upside, we never have to have that conversation again. <laughs> right. 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 Lessons but learned. Hate- Cautionary tales for other clients that you serve. Well, yeah. 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 I, I just hate that it happened in the first place. Of course. Of course. Well, you know, I think um, it's especially, uh, you know, probably especially painful in the sense of the role that you're in and the type of work you're doing. We're talking about the, a person being hired for a job being there for nine or 12 months, you know, creating, you know, facilitating the train wreck as you describe it, you know, that's pretty significant. Um, and in every, every consulting type of relationship, there's always going to be those clients who say, thank you, but we know better. Uh, and yeah. then they go down that path and then they come back and say, uh, we were wrong. You're hopefully they come back and say, you, we were wrong. You were right. Or they never come back at all. And they don't admit it. But uh, in your case, no, I mean, I think that's, Again, there is silver lining to those um, experiences that you've had, but it does it, it is annoying that they have to happen. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to I want to dive into uh, kind of a, a tangential type of conversation, but directly still in your wheelhouse here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of the folks who are listening and watching this are independent business to business consultants, like you and I are operating in all kinds of areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that end, uh, some some are going to be solopreneurs. Some are going to be, you know, larger organizations that are maturing and still growing. When you are 
what I want to get into a little bit here, Joseph, is just talking about maybe some ways of thinking about how to look for good talent, where to find it. Uh, I mean, I don't want you to give away any of your 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 process or secret sauce. Obviously, you're available right. to hire for that purpose. But just any insight that you might give as we're in this crazy world, right, of the great uh, great resignation um, that's been called. I was on the phone with a, uh, a client yesterday, and they were referring to it as the great reckoning. Um, and I like that kind of shift, but anyway, we're in this crazy world where talent, where top talent is critically in demand from people Uh who want to do good work. Um, what insight or guidance might you give someone in this independent B2B consultant space in terms of finding good talent, whether they're looking for someone in the sales world uh, to help them, or maybe an ops manager, just any kind of wisdom, words of wisdom might be really valuable from you, I know. Sure. So uh, in each and every case that uh, we've done so far this year, which I think has been about uh, 10, mm-hmm. um, a few different things, because each client has actually tried something you know, for some period of time and come up empty, right? And then said, hey, can you help? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So you struck out. Um, so the first thing I'd say is, you, you know, you got to be fishing in the right pond. You know, sometimes uh, indeed is not the right place to be looking. Right, right, right. Um, sometimes it is. Um, but the, the second thing, and I find this to be actually, I, I think, Scott, I think that this is one of the, the more critical factors to why we attract people like we do, uh, is I, I see the ads that other people are posting. They're basically taking a job description and slamming it up to the, to the ad site, right? Right. Um, and I'll tell you very specifically what I do. I write to one person. Mm. I'm writing to you. I want to get in your head, Scott. I want to find out, hey, is this you? Yeah. You know, do, do you like, you know, do you like this thing or do you want that thing? Right. And I make it as attractive as possible. It's, it's all about you throughout the entire ad. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of my clients calls it psychobabble. I don't believe that it is. You know, I mean, I, I think it's just to, to me, it makes sense. If I, if I want to understand what makes you tick, right, then I want to actually get inside your head and say, hey, this is going to be a great opportunity for you. Right. Yeah. And in each of those cases that, you know, one of the things that we also tell uh, candidates is that we don't just want to make sure that, that you're a good fit for them. We want to make sure that they're a good fit for you. Right. Right. Sure. That's one. That's one of the reasons that you're taking this assessment, because this is a significant career move for you. Right. right. You know, I want to make sure that it's a good one. I want to make sure that you're there for years and happy yeah. about it. You know, that kind of thing. That's good. That's good. You know, I love that idea of writing to one person in the business development world that I'm in, whether it's sales copy or, you know, general marketing, copywriting. One of the one of the lessons is exactly that is identify who the ideal, the center of the bullseye in terms of that ideal prospect is know as much about that person, that avatar as you possibly can. Um, demographics, psychographics, you know, geographics, you know, as much information as you possibly can about who they are, how they think, their values, their character, their skills, you know, skill sets, et cetera, their mindset. And then paint that picture of the avatar and write the copy specifically to that person. Uh, Now, in in my world, it's about business development. It's about disqualifying everybody who's not the right fit, qualifying everyone who is, and then getting them to take the next step. It sounds like that's you know, what you've done is you've taken the best of the business development space and you've applied it expertly uh, into the talent, the talent search world where everybody else is the, uh, 
to continue the metaphor where everybody else is the mass marketing. We're just going to pound on you over and over right. and over again with this, with this bland blase vanilla job description that's commoditized. You're uh-huh. elev- you're, I mean, I'm not trying to blow smoke, but it sounds like you're elevating it into a, a higher level of science and art in terms of really getting clear on who that person should be. And then disqualifying everybody else to, to, to attract the right people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, here's here's the other interesting thing, and this is this is phenomenal. I mean, my, my head's still kind of spinning about it. But uh, last month, uh, we had uh, the fourth, and then the following, the fifth uh, client who started out wanting to hire uh, just one person for a role ended up uh-huh. hiring two. Wow. Now, okay. By by contrast, uh, I know two different executive search people that in thirty years they've seen one occurrence each of those. Wow. Those was our fifth man. I'm going. Holy smokes! I guess we're doing right. something different. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. Clearly, what you're doing is working, and people understand that it's working. Right? There's an appreciation and an acknowledgement that this guy's doing the doing it right. Um, we're we're coming up on time here, but I I want to first of all, I already got a page and a half of notes. This has been fantastic. So I really appreciate you coming coming on. Uh-huh. I'd love to hear, uh, I always ask my guests this on the podcast, any words of wisdom or, or lessons learned from your personal professional life that you think might be beneficial or, or valuable for everybody listening or watching today? Sure. Yeah. And I was hoping you would ask that question because uh, I actually have a pretty good uh, story about how I got into this business in the okay. first place. Oh, yeah. Uh, you so the other, the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that um, that's actually a, a life lesson, a significant life lesson. It's one of the questions that I ask during an interview. I want to find somebody who actually learns by principle and then gets to apply it later on. Yeah. It changes their life, right? Because somebody who, who doesn't is a non-thinker, right? Yeah. And yeah. my clients want people who are smart thinkers, good problem solvers. Okay. Sure. So um, I told you about uh, uh, my early sales leadership career. Whenever I, I ran the, the first, uh, I became director of sales uh, at that. We had like 30 sales reps and about five support staff. Um we were in fifth place out of six regions, right? Which sucks, right? Nobody wants to be there. Right? Still, not as bad uh, as six, though. But not as bad as six, yeah. but <laughs> but it's I still not great. The, the, the view is still the same, I think. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we, you know, we made some pretty critical changes. This was we were an inside sales group. So you know, I, I created a hunter farmer team. Uh, we started managing the pipeline better. The most critical thing was uh, a rapid exchange of information. Uh, so, and I know that you're going to find this uh, uh, next time, believable, is that in seven months, we doubled our sales. Wow. With that size of team? Yeah. Wow. Uh, those guys were phenomenal, right? Okay. So at the end of all that, now suddenly my inside guys are starting to make uh, money like the outside guys are, mm-hmm. right? So my boss's boss comes to me and with the seventh brand new and different compensation plan in an 11-month time frame. Right. And uh, I told him what to put number seven. And I may have made a comment about him not belonging to sales leadership. So they fired me. Right. Uh, crap. That sucks. Right. So I took, I, I took the L, right. Moved on. Yeah. So I go to the next, the next uh, company, about half the size sales team, but we tripled revenue in four months. Right. Uh, really timely because there was this company uh, overseas that was looking to acquire. And of course, you know, seeing that kind of momentum, why the heck wouldn't they acquire us? Uh, this was a, a software company. Okay. Um, and so about six months after that, the president from, from overseas comes in and says, gentlemen, uh, we no longer sell software tools. We sell software solutions, but which I could accept, right? He said, but Joseph, we want you to continue your momentum. And I said, wait a minute, you got to pick one. 
you can't have both, right? And so they fire. Right. So that, no, I'm, I'm maybe starting to pick up on some things. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that, that, I, that I quickly realized that and, you know, I think that this is actually uh, pretty important uh, for an independent consultant uh, is that if you're not if you're not authentic to yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you cannot speak truth to power, you might be in the wrong in the wrong role. OK. Yeah. So today. Right. I'll give you an example. Uh, my largest client uh, about four years ago was looking to hire a CEO. Uh, interesting story about that. Um, two years prior to that, they had hired a, a president that I said, please don't make him president right away. Make him the COO and check in with me in six months. And I'll tell you if you should make the president. They didn't listen. They made him president. And so now they're hiring a CEO so they can fire the president. All right, whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So um, these guys, uh, <clears throat> they went out, they hired this, this blue blood executive search firm to hire the, to find the CEOs and they start parading them through. This is that client that, that has been paying me for nine years without a contract. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh. So, um, what one of the things they asked is, hey, could you do some written reviews on the assessments? And I said, sure. So uh, with this, just, you know, backstory, I don't, I don't hear, uh, you know, any of their backstory. I don't see a resume. I don't see a LinkedIn profile, nothing. It's a cold read on the assessment. Okay. This one particular candidate, uh, whenever I saw him, I said, you know, this person is manipulative and he's all about appearances, right? And of course, <laughs> um, guess who the fan favorite was? So that earned me a conference call with the board of directors to explain myself. So I come to find out that each one of the board members, quirky though they are, um, you know, took turns asking their, you know, entirely brilliant uh, interview question. And I said, guys, at the point where you ask that question, you sacrifice your objectivity, you become subjective, and all kinds of things were dancing around right in front of your face that you didn't see. And chances are, it's the same stuff that I just said. So bring me out for the second round of interviews, and I'll show it to you, right? So they did. So it was interesting because, you know, I set the, the owner of the company up with, with the, the scripted uh, interview and follow-up questions and everything else. And I allowed one board member to ask a question, uh, just one question. Mm -hmm. So, but I said, hey, at 45 minutes, turn and ask if I have a question. If I do, or first of all, if I don't, then my answer is unequivocally no. If I do, I'm going to show you something that you missed, right? Yeah. So I go, hey, uh, listen, um, could you, uh, you know, give me the, some of the details about this one particular thing that you keep bragging on, uh, which I'd really love to hear. Tell me what your challenges are, what your, what your, uh, uh, you know, just why you made this decision versus that. Yeah. So I get this really, you know, 30,000 foot, very PC answer. And, you know, after about 90 seconds of like time out, you don't understand the question I'm asking. I want to know the nitty gritty details, right? I know this is a coatings company, right? I know that this board has asked, uh, previous uh, candidates, um, you know, what is the percent of red in XYZ product, right? Which is not a boardroom conversation, incidentally, right? But these guys are that anal. If he asks, if he answers questions like that in his next uh, board meeting, that'll be his next to last board meeting. Yeah. Right? I I'm trying to understand. Yeah. Them from so at the end, you know, we all leave, or, you know, he, he leaves. And, uh, you know, I'm talking with the president of the company uh, or the, the owner of the company. And I said, listen, Rick, you know, I love you, man. You know, I know that you're the second generation owner and you're grooming your son to be the third. If you hire that man, uh, you, uh, you, he will not be the, the third generation owner. Okay. Now, guess what? That sounds a whole lot like what I told the first boss's boss, Correct. the president, and now this owner. Instead, I get a, I get a handshake and a warm smile. He paid me, you know, a nice, a nice, you know, something to say that and just said, Hey, thank you. Thank you. Right. So I get, I still get to be me. Right. I yeah. still get to call out truth authentically yep. with candor. Right. Yep. But it's but it's appreciated now. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you're you're the one, you're the conductor of the train, right? You're the right. steer of the ship. Um, and 
you know, it is different than when you're in a, and not, and there's no judgment here, but it is different when you're in a subordinate role and you try to speak truth to power and try to play the role that you're asked to play, to be fair. They're, they're at, I mean, they brought you in because you have expertise, they saw it. And now they're asking, you you know, and they're getting, they're getting what they asked for, but it's like, that's not really what we want. We just want a yes man in this moment. And you're like, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. And so now you're in a role where not only are you able to work with clients who understand, who, who understand, appreciate your expertise, but who welcome the speaking of the truth to power. Uh, exactly. And you can qualify your clients. And if they're not open or willing to listen to that, they're probably not going to be your clients very long. And that's probably to, it's probably to your benefit more than, certainly more to your benefit than it is for theirs. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, that's very true. And I have five clients for that as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, would, I would encourage any consultant, uh, you know, uh, to be authentic to yourself. Yeah. You know, even, even those things that are tough to, to say and tough to hear for somebody else to hear, right, are valued in the end. That's why they pay us. Yeah. It is a hundred percent why they pay us. And, and in, in the past I've fallen into that trap because I like, I like making people happy. Right. Yep. And it's the people pleasing thing as, as opposed to um, peak performance. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if your focus is on peak performance, then the objective reality as, as, as it is, or based on your expertise is what it is. And you have an obligation and a duty and responsibility to share that with your client. That's that's Uh your point. That's exactly what they're paying you for. They should not be paying you to make themselves feel better. If, if, if that's why they're paying you, then you're probably in the wrong profession or doing the wrong thing or, or, you know, or they're the wrong client or yeah. Or and that that's it, right. They're, they're the wrong client. Most likely Um, they can, they can go hire a yes man or get a dog. if They want to feel better about themselves. I think it's a great, it's a great reminder for all of us because it is easy for us to fall into that, into that trap, even casually. Um, And, and the reminder is how much more effective and valuable and impactful are we going to be when we're willing to own that responsibility and yep. and be authentic to ourselves and be authentic to the expertise that they're hiring us to get. So it's a great reminder. Um, this has been fantastic. If if someone wants to learn more about the work that you're doing, um, maybe they you know are interested in bringing you into a client that the organization they're already working with. What's the best mm-hmm. way for them to to learn more about your work, get a hold of you, that type of thing? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, LinkedIn obviously. Uh, I, I I never reject uh, invitations. Right? Gotcha. Sure. Um, so, but, uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, go to my, go to my website. Actually, if, if you go to marketleadersolutions.com forward slash calendar, okay. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm completely open. I am, uh, you know, an open networker. So that's great. That's great. I was, great. I was glad to chat. And, and I've been thrilled that we were able to reconnect and then we connected uh, a while back uh, prior yep. to reconnecting prior to this interview. So just glad that, that uh, you're back in the network and look forward to staying in touch. Uh, Joseph, again, I can't thank you enough for carving out the time and and sharing uh, some fantastic expertise and wisdom today with everybody. Hey, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Absolutely. For Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you all the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects, and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session 
where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.